0: Thanks. Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, and we'll read together there in uh, just a moment, Isaiah 55. Um, a lot of our teenagers, some of our teenagers, anyway, you know, 160-something of our teenagers are at camp, uh, even as we speak, I, they had a chilly, chilly morning, I'll tell you that, at camp. But I'm praying God will bless them, they come back tomorrow, I'm praying God will really work in their lives. And in many ways, what happens in, in the teenagers in our church, they're not just, like, they're they're part of the church. They're not just an addendum. They're part of the church. And man, I love to see God working in the lives of teenagers and I want to pray for them and pray that God will work in them and that God will encourage the rest of our church through them. So let's join in praying for them right now as they're at camp. Lord, I thank you for the privilege we have of uh having teen- teens in our church who many of them love you and are following you closely. I uh, pray we'll see teens come to know you as Savior and live for you as Lord. I thank you for the spiritual energy in their lives and the good things that you're doing. I pray you bless Mariano and the rest who are leading there. And I pray, Lord, you'll help our church to be everything you want us to be. And, and that our teams will be a big part of that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, open your Bibles, please, to Isaiah 55. We're going to read there as we talked this morning on seeking the Lord. Last week, we looked at the first part of this chapter where the Bible talk to us about thirsting for God and how important that is. Let's talk about seeking the Lord. Isaiah 55, and I'll read beginning with verse six. The Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and providing seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. You will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress will come up, and instead of the briar, a myrtle will come up. This will, be a, this will stand as a, as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. Well, let's talk about four principles about seeking the Lord, and you can write this down on the back of your worship guide or if you use the church app or however you do it. Four principles I'd like to encourage you to write down about seeking the Lord. Principle number one, seek the Lord in the present. Seek the Lord in the present. That is, we have to live in the present. Can't live in the past. We can learn from the past. It would be a really good idea for you to learn from the past. That's a good idea. So if you've got mistakes in your past or victories in your past, you can learn from both. But you can't change one thing about it, right? You can't go back and change any defeats or change any victories for that matter. You can learn from it, build on it, but you can't live there. And the future is great. You can prepare for the future, and that'd be a great idea. I think it'd be swell. Do, you guys still, do the teens still use the word swell? It'd be swell if you would prepare for the future. That's a great idea. I like that idea, but you cannot live in the future. You have to live present tense. That's where you live, in the present tense. And so the Lord is speaking to us here about what we're to do and when we do it. It says, uh, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. So it tells us to seek the Lord. We're to seek God. There's something about that, about, God, about seeking God's presence, about turning to the Lord, about running hard in the direction of the Lord Jesus and call to him, the Bible says. We pray, we talk to him, we, we communicate with him, we connect with him. That's what we're to do, seek the Lord and call to him. And when do we do it? Well, while he may be found and while he is near. So the Bible's telling us a couple of things here. First, it's telling us to seize the opportunity of today. Right now, he's saying to Israel and through that to us, seek the Lord right now while he may be found call to him, when? Well, right now, while he's near. This is an opportunity, and don't waste this opportunity. Seize the opportunity. The Lord is saying, here's an opportunity for you to seek me, and here's an opportunity for you to call to me. I'm, I'm near. You can find me. Seize that opportunity. When I was a senior in high school, I was a new kid at a new school, and I got, I saw this girl, and I wanted to talk to her. And I was not very good at talking to girls because I didn't have any sisters, and girls are different. You know, I mean, that's good, but I'm just saying they're different. I didn't know I had brothers, and I just didn't, I didn't know. It's hard to talk to girls. But I saw this girl. Her name happened to be Vicky, And I said, I'd like to talk to that girl. I want to talk to that girl. And so I tried to think of something witty to say, and uh, I went over and talked to her. And it must have been pretty witty because we've been married more than forty years now. How about that? I mean, it worked out. So I seized the opportunity. There she was. I knew she. I didn't know anything really about her. knew she was a new kid too, and knew I was really uh, growing in my faith at that point. And my, I knew. I didn't know her, but I knew her friend was a a believer. And I said, well, maybe she's a Christian. And so anyway, worked out. And I'm obviously super witty. It had to be. I don't know what I said, but. unbelievably witty well what if I'd have waited instead of seizing the day what if I'd have waited you say well one day you know no big deal all right what if it's 10 days you know opportunities come along well what if I'd waited 100 days what if it was a thousand days Or what if it's 10,000 days? I don't know how long we've been married, but it's been 10,000 days. I mean, at some point you'd say, man, you missed the opportunity altogether. You had good intentions. You wanted to. You said someday. Can I just tell you, a lot of people, a lot of people say that about spiritual matters. Someday. One day. I'm going to trust Christ as Savior. Just not right now. I'm going to get serious about faith. I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to get right with God someday. Can I just tell you, there's no other time to do it except there's no better day than today. You're never going to have a better day. There's never, it's never a better opportunity or more convenient time, or there's always a reason uh, to miss. And I'm going to ask you to seize the opportunity. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior today, I'm going to ask you to give your life to Christ Christian, if you said, I'm going to get serious about faith, today. Today. Seize the opportunity of today and beware the deception of delay. There's a deception to to delay. Like, uh, okay, I'm not really saying no to God, I'm just saying not right now. Which sounds a lot like no. We're saying, in effect, no God today because I'm planning to some other day. But it's still the no and There's a danger and a deception that comes with delay, as though we're going to have a more convenient time later, as though it's going to be better or easier or whatever it is that we, whatever it causes us to delay and to wait and to put it off. And it's sort of like the hardening that happens in your heart when you say no to God, even if it's just a, even if you think it's temporary, not right now, someday, but that no just Maybe you have someone in your family who's got hardening of the arteries and they get the little plaque and stuff that gets in there and all the problems that come with that, that happens spiritually. And when we say, "Uh, uh, not right now, God. I mean, I know I need to get that right with you, but not right now. I mean, someday, don't get me wrong, I have good intentions, God, but not right now. It's just a hardening that happens to us spiritually when we say no, even even if we think of it as a temporary no. Because a temporary no is saying no to today and to missing the opportunities. And we seek the Lord in the present. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Present tense. Call to him while he is near. Now, take advantage of this opportunity. Principle number two, seek the Lord through repentance, through repentance. And the Bible talks often about repentance. We see a really good example of this in verse 7. So if you have your Bible open, we just kind of follow along as we go through this verse. The Bible says, let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. So the wicked one and the sinful one, that's one and the same. We don't think of sin as wicked, perhaps. In fact, we sometimes even try to justify sin and say it's not really sin. But God is really honest about things. And he tells us that our sin is always sinful and that it's always wicked, that it's always causing damage and pain. We say it's no big deal. And the Lord says it's a really big deal. So let the wicked... What, what do we do with the sin and the wickedness? Abandon his way. Let the sinful one abandon his thoughts. That is, turn from the world's way to God's way. From the wrong way to the right way. From the harmful way to the better way. Verse 7 says, let him return to the Lord. See that right there? Return to the Lord. So the idea of repentance is more than feeling sorry for something. If you can feel sorry about all kinds of things and never change. But repentance is where you change. So feeling sorry is a great first step. The conviction of God in our lives is a great first step. But repentance is returning to the Lord. It's changing direction and coming back to the Lord. It's turning from sin and to the Lord. And here's why, verse 7 says, So he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will freely forgive. Now, I don't really understand why this is, but God is a super-compassionate God, and he is a God who forgives, And and so he says, when we sin, when we stray, when we go wrong, come back. Because I love to give my compassion. And I love to forgive. And that's what God does. Whatever's in your past, listen, God can forgive you. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to forgive you the sin of your life. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. The, The perfect one, the only perfect one who lived in this world. God who became a man. His blood is sufficient to forgive you of every sin. And so he says, come back home because I will forgive. Now it starts with acknowledgement. Maybe you've just argued with God about it's not that big a deal, it doesn't really matter. My, uh, one of my grandsons was at the house the other day and he wanted to play wiffle ball. Got the wiffle ball bat out, wiffle ball. And I threw him some pitches and he'd smack it and man, oh, he just so excited about how far he could hit it now. He says, Pappy, look how far I can hit it. And then, But once in a while, he would miss. And he, when he would miss the ball, he'd said, Pappy, something's wrong with this bat, he said. Something's wrong with this bat. He didn't notice that. It might have had something to do with user error. You know, it might have been something like that. Something's wrong with the bat. Do you do that with God? It's not my fault, God. I mean, something's wrong. It's, some, it's their fault. It's someone else's fault. It's, you are not responsible for the sins of anyone else in all the world. You're not responsible for the sins of your parents or your spouse or your friends or your coworkers or your classmates, but you are 100% responsible for yours and no one else in all the world is. And repentance is where we acknowledge and we accept that responsibility and we turn back to God and when we do, we find he is loving and compassionate and forgiving. Aren't you glad for a God like that? He's compassionate, loving, forgiving. Principle number three, seek the Lord, with wisdom, with wisdom. Wisdom is really seeing God's perspective on our world, to be able to see the perspective God has. And the Bible talks to us about wisdom here and how we seek the Lord in that way. Let's note a couple of things. Note first that God's perspective is different and greater. So verse 8 says this, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. God's saying, I'm different. My perspective is different than the world's we want to be conformed to the world. You know, when I was um, young, I would sometimes, as I got into my teenage years, especially, I wanted to dress like the what, what was popular. It still, it still happens. Peer pressure is that great. And it doesn't just, it's not just for teenagers. Did you know that? Like, it continues as you get older. It's in a different form. But we, the world is always pressing, and it's just pushing against us, and we have a tendency to start acting like the world, and thinking like the world, and living like the world and doing what the world says and listening to the world. And the Lord says, don't be conformed to the image of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And God is saying, don't... My way is different than the world's way. God's way isn't always the popular way. Did you know that? God's way isn't always the the way that the world says, this is how you should think and this is how you should act and this is what you say. And by the way, that's always changing. It's always changing. So whatever it is that's Right now, it might be wrong tomorrow, what's wrong right now might be right. It's always changing. The world is always changing, but the Lord doesn't. And he reminds you he has a way that is right and true and good. And so he says, don't be conformed to this world. His perspective, God's perspective, is greater. Verse nine says, "For as heaven is higher than earth. So have you ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed when you're standing on this planet and you look up at the sky that it's higher than you are? Have you ever noticed that? As heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Our world is a shallow, we're in a shallow age right now. We just judge things by appearance and talent. It is a shallow age. What people look like on the outside. Image matters so much. Have you ever noticed people taking a selfie? Like you see someone, they just fussing and grumpy. And and then someone says, take take a selfie. And they smile, that big smile. And you see that picture. And it looks like they're having the greatest That family's having the greatest time. They went to Six Flags. They're just having the, oh, what a wonderful time that family's had. As soon as that camera's off, man, they're fussing and arguing long lines and hot or cold. But we just judge by appearance. God, man, God's looking at the heart. His his ways are higher. His thoughts are greater. And he's asking us to, be, to go deeper in faith. So I'm going to make a suggestion to you as we think about learning God's ways. Let me make a suggestion to you about just having some uh, daily devotion. I got a sweet letter from a guy this week. He's been a believer a long time and never had read the New Testament. And he hears me talk about it. So he just finished reading the New Testament for himself, and he talked about the great value of it. So let me suggest a simple way to have devotions. Some of you are having far deeper, far longer, far greater ones. Wonderful. But I want to suggest I'm sure many of you have not had a disciplined devotional life. Let me suggest a simple way to do this. Five days a week, at least five days a week, like exercise, you need some continuity and some consistency. So at least five days a week. Read some of God's Word. If you read two chapters a day, Of the New Testament five days a week in half a year you've read the whole New Testament that's how easy it is it takes a while but I'm saying if you'll be consistent start with maybe maybe you can even jump around in the New Testament read like a book in one of the Gospels Matthew Mark Luke and John or gospel accounts read one of those and then maybe skip over to chap to a book like Philippians Philippians has four chapters you if you do two chapters a day you do it in two days Was my math too complex for you there? Two days for four chapters. I mean, that's kind of how you can do it. And read it for yourself. Maybe, like, take your pen and underline something that really, especially say, man, that's something I want to remember or something that really seems especially important to me, just underline it. And then pray. Thank God for who he is and thank God for what he's done. Maybe confess anything that needs to be confessed in your life. Pray for other people. Maybe you've got some... um, family members or friends that you want to pray for and you just may make a prayer list and pray so for in a few minutes if you'll do this over and over you'll begin to get deeper you know what's going to happen over time you're going to find that you understand you begin to understand god's word better and you begin to have a closer connection with god and you're going to begin to get put down some deeper roots and it'll give you a hunger just to learn all the more and just to go that much deeper and to find out more and I want to encourage you to take some of those steps in becoming more of what God wants for you. It's really, it'll really help you to begin to gain wisdom, to see God's perspective on life and your world. Notice I said God's perspective is different and deeper, but it's also God's Word is effective. Go uh, to verse 10. I love this. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth, making it germinate and sprout, providing seed to sow and food to eat, so we haven't had any rain for a while. I think it's supposed to be coming, but man, when the rain comes, it does all the things it's supposed to do. Rain or snow just it saturates the earth, causes seeds to germinate, sprout. It provides a, a fruit, follows that. Seeds, seed can be sown, food can be eaten. Verse 11, so my word, that natural analogy, so my word, God says, that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. Now you see a little of why we want you to read God's word for yourself? Because God, through that, will accomplish his purposes. Your life will begin to bear fruit. God will show you, you know, this part of your life is not where it needs to be, or the way you're thinking about this needs to change, or your perspective, or your attitude, or your actions need to be corrected, or here's what I want you to understand. Here's the big picture I want you to see. Here's where the world is wrong, and here. Where my plan is better for you, and we begin to gain wisdom, we begin to gain God's perspective. So the uh, not long ago, recently, I was at a, a Cardinal game. It was not the playoffs, and I don't want to talk about the playoffs. It's just too soon. Let's not talk about that. But as a week or two ago, I was at a Cardinal game. My brother, his wife, and um, their son, my nephew came to see the Cardinals it's been a, for the Cardinal fans it's been a really fun regular season. It's a fun regular season as we've seen and they wanted to see some of their uh, favorite players in the last game and so we were there watching the Cardinals and um, they do walk-up songs. I don't know if you noticed this. You can see it on them I mean, it's on the you see it on television and radio and stuff as well. They do the walk-up song for a guy when he comes up to bat. He picks a song. Sometimes they pick different songs. Sometimes they do the same song every time he bats. And they'll do a walk-up song, and they have, maybe some of the players have a Spanish-speaking song, some of them have, a couple of them have, a couple of Cardinals have a Christian song that they, that they have as their walk-up song, uh, a couple of them have country songs, which I sort of relate to, you know, I like to see that, and then uh, Brendan Donovan is one of the rookies, really scrappy young rookie this year, and he came up, and his song was one I didn't recognize, I said to my uh, nephew, I said, Caleb, is that like a hip-hop song? I'm not real big on the hip-hop scene, maybe you're surprised to see To find that out i just don't know that world very well he said yeah uncle doug that's a hip-hop song it's by rihanna i said okay okay and i could hear them saying i couldn't understand the words very well that it says something about desperado that's why i asked about it because i thought maybe it's a country song new country can sound a little like hip-hop i think and so but no no it was a hip-hop desperado and i said what i can't caleb i can't understand what are they what's that song saying and so he just told me and you know it's super loud i have trouble hearing anyway and he said, yeah, they're saying, um, Desperado, uh, sitting in an old railroad cart. And I, oh, sitting in an old railroad cart. Okay, well, great. And so it's a catchy song. And, the car, and man, the Cardinals just kept scoring runs. And so Brendan Donovan batting over and over, which is another way of telling you it was not a playoff game. And they just kept scoring runs. They came up to play it over and over again. And they played that song super catchy. And I found myself... You know, singing "Desperado," sitting in an old railroad car. And I finally said, "Caleb, why? Like, I don't. Is there some story to that song? Why is he sitting in an old railroad car?" And um, Caleb looked at me. And you know how the you folks who are closer to my age you know that how the the scornful look from a young person that looks at you when you don't know something that's in their world. You know that uh, eye roll, the little frustration that you can't understand. That you know, we we. Those younger folks, those of us in this age, we love it when you do that. It just warms our heart. Thank you for doing. He just did that little, you know, frustration. He said, "It's not sitting. In, it's not desperado sitting in an old railroad cart, Uncle Doug. It's desperado sitting in an old Monte Carlo." Oh, Monte Carlo, that's, I know a Monte Carlo, I know what that car is, I know that well. Made more sense. I My perspective was just off, I just didn't understand that world. Many people are that way spiritually, they're just missing God's wisdom. Because the world is so loud, all they hear is the music and the, and the movies and the television of this world, and God's saying, listen, I want you, I've got something different for you, man, it's different, and it's greater, and it's deeper, and it's... More important, and it'll never return void. This, and this, is, this is something that you need. And God is saying to us, I want you to seek me with wisdom. I want you to gain my perspective. And so He gives us His word and He puts people in our lives who help us in that journey of faith. And I want to ask you to seek the Lord with wisdom. And there's a fourth principle. Would you write this down? Seek the Lord for blessing. For blessing. It's in your best interest to seek the Lord. You say, well, it's in the Lord's best interest. Yeah, he loves it. But it's in your best interest to seek the Lord. If you could see eternity's perspective, you would see that what God wants for you is really what's right and best for you. It's hard for us to understand that sometimes, but God wants wants us to seek him for blessings. We love the blessing. Let me note how this happens. First note that God offers a better future A better future. He says in verse 12, you will indeed go out with joy and will be peacefully guided. And then he talks about the mountains and the hills breaking into singing and and myrtles instead of uh, thorns. God's offering a better future. Notice in verse 12, it changes to future tense. It says you will indeed go out with joy. You will be peacefully guided. Verse 6 is present tense. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he's near. Verse 12, you will indeed go out with joy. You will be peacefully guided. He's saying this. Present obedience is what leads to future blessings. Now we want the blessings. And God is saying, great. Future blessings come as a result of the present obedience. Obey me now. And as a result of that, you find the joy and the peaceful guidance that comes. And God's got a better future for you. I'll I'll, I'll start a series. I'm going to start preaching through the book of Revelation on the 6th of November. And, man, I look forward to it. It'll be a long time through that great book of the Bible. And it's the last book of the Bible, and it talks about what will happen in the future. And, now, why would God care to tell us about the future? Because I've just... You've heard me say, we live in the present, we can't live in the future, because God knows that by learning about what his purpose and plan in the future is, we can remind ourselves to live in present obedience. It changes how we think. If I know that one day, if I'm preparing for the future, one day I'm going to stand before the Lord, one day the Lord's going to return, one day... All of God's purposes and plans will unfold. It will help me to live present obedience. And present obedience is what leads to the future blessings. You want the future blessings in life? You want a life that's got joy? And you want a life that's peacefully guided? A life that's following God's best for you? Then you live for him now. Live your life right now in present obedience. And God brings those opportunities and brings those blessings to you. And then notice as well that God wants a closer connection. God himself wants a closer connection with you. When he says, seek me, it's because God wants to be found by you. When he says, call to him, it's because he's near to you. He wants a closer connection. He says in verse 13, this will stand as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. He's saying, put down a signpost in your life that says, I will seek the Lord. I will seek the Lord. Next Sunday, I'll talk a little bit about some of the plans that I believe God has for us in our near future and um, some of the monuments to faith. I think a little of what God's doing and what He's asking of us to do in the, in the days ahead. And it's an exciting time to think about putting down some monuments. I'll talk about how in the past God has used monuments to remind people about the future and how God's doing that in our generation, how God's doing that in our lives. God wants a closer connection because what God wants, the reason the Lord says, seek the Lord while he may be found and call to him while he is near is because God wants you. He wants you. He wants you to seek him because he wants you. You matter to him. If you're the only person in all the world who was lost, who had never been saved, if you're the only person who was a sinner who had that deep need, Christ, he died for you. He died in your place. Christian, if you were the only person who would ever strayed from God, the only Christian who had ever forgotten about God or gone your own way or ignored the things of God, man, he, you matter so much, he would have called just you to come back to him. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he's near. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? As we pray, I want to just say a word to those of you who have never trusted Christ to save. You're not sure you've ever been saved. The Bible tells us we need a relationship with God, not just religion, but a relationship with God. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer in a moment. And if today you recognize that you are a sinner who needs salvation, Christ will save you. You You could pray a prayer like this. That's come from your heart. Saying words you don't mean doesn't change anything. But maybe you'd say, make this your prayer. God, I know I've sinned against you. Just acknowledge that. I've sinned against you. I'm not blaming anyone else. I'm not arguing about Whether I've sinned or not, I know that I have. And I've sinned against you. But I believe, just telling this, God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to live for me and to die on the cross for me, to pay my debt and to rise from the grave. And so here and now, I want to turn from my sin and I'm going to turn to you. As best I know how I give my life to you and I ask you to save me. And if you mean that, Christ will save you. That's just the start. We want you to grow in faith, follow in believers, baptism, put down some deeper spiritual roots. Christian, maybe when I talked about returning to the Lord, it sort of resonated with your heart because the Lord is speaking to you about coming back to Him, about seeking Him. We have a way of getting distracted and forgetting about the things that matter most, and maybe the Lord is reminding you He wants you to come back. Maybe there's some things in your life you know you need to repent of. Maybe there's some signposts you need to put down. Perhaps God is dealing with your life about your own devotional time, day by day by day, that time of growth, that time of putting down some deeper roots. Would you say, Lord, I'm going to come back to you. I want to seek the Lord while he may be found. I want to call to you while you are near. I don't want to wait for another day, sometime, someday. I want this day. I want to follow you. Father, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the truth you teach us. Thank thank you for calling us to yourself. Lord, for those who pray to receive you as Savior, I pray you'll help them to grow deeper in their faith. For Christians who have sort of forgotten or just gone astray or who just need a reminder to put down some deeper um, roots in their own life, would you use this in their life to help them to seek you while you may be found and call to you while you are near. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.